Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Brian, and we're back with another episode of Stream Close-Up. Before we get to this week's guest, I want to take a moment and say thank you. Thank you to everyone who's found us again after the long break. It really means a lot. A little housekeeping before we get started. Remember, you can follow Stream Close Up on Instagram and Facebook at Stream Close Up. You can reach out via Gmail, Stream Close Up at Gmail. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm the Brian Laffin. Don't be fooled by imitations. So that's the Brian Laffin on Twitter, at Stream Close Up on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, share, tell your friends, rate, review, yada, 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 you know the drill. All right, let's get to the fun part. Among other things, our guest today will talk about the process, experience, and challenges of NYU Film School. She'll tell us a little bit about her journey from making coffee for a company producing industrial films to directing period pieces like the feature Simon and the Oaks. We'll talk about her successful collaboration with actor Krister Henriksen, and of course, her recent work on the beloved Beck franchise. In for her stream close-up, Lisa Olian. Hit it, Jose. show, Lisa O'Lean. Thank you. Thank you. Writer, director, you describe yourself as a visual storyteller. Uh, you're in the news right now because you're helming the latest releases in the Beck franchise. Um, and we'd like to take time to get to know you uh, and talk about what that means. I mean, I think there's some historic elements to the fact that you're the first woman directing that franchise. I have some yeah. questions around what that means. Um, just in terms of background, uh, you're from New York originally? Originally, I'm from New York. Uh, my father was a globe trotter, so we moved a lot. Um, and then I ended up in Sweden for my formative years, I would say. I moved back to Washington, D.C. when I was 16. Came back to Sweden, started working a day job in film while I was painting. Um, and then I quickly realized that Film was more fun than painting. 
Can I ask what what that what was that day job? Uh, it was um, making coffee and paying the bills at a production company that made industrials. Okay, but you were seeing the process. You were seeing storytelling. I was seeing the process, and, and very quickly I was asked to um, be the driver on productions, and then I ended up starting logging the material, and then I started doing, um, uh, you know, production planning, and then I started realizing that it's kind of, film is kind of like painting, but with dialogue. Mm, some more dimensions. Yeah. So, so, so you decide that this is what your path is, and you want to move from the industrials to more dramatic work, and you go decide to go to school. Is that how you follow your path? Yeah, exactly. That's when I decided to go to 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 pursue my master's in film. And you did that at NYU. Yeah, I ended up at NYU. Um, I was like, um, I actually had a choice between USC and NYU, and um, Terrible, terrible choice. Oh terrible, well, it was a terrible <laughs> choice. I mean, how do you choose between the two best? Um, but I'm so much more European. So uh, New York is, first of all, it's a shorter air trip. And second of all, I like seasons. I, I, there's something disturbing about California where it's always sunny. Nah, it's all 72 every day. Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, but I really felt like that my heart was in European storytelling. Uh, so I think New York U- uh, University was the right choice for me. Interesting. And when was this? This is early 90s? Early 90s, yeah. Okay, great time to be. I was in living yeah. downtown Waverly Place around that time. Great time to be there. So you're talking about European storytelling. You think that's your calling, but you decided to go to a U.S. school. Is it... That just that's the way you go. That's that's the place. I mean, obviously USC and NYU have great reputations historically. Well, uh, you mean? I mean, I'm wondering. Why? I'm wondering. Is, yeah, is there a chance to take a path that, that here, you know, a Swedish path? Well, I could, but the F- Swedish film school only accepts uh, four students every other year. Ooh. Every other year. Yeah, or at least it was at that time, um, and I felt that. I've always um, somehow performed better in American schools. Um, I think there's a different way of teaching. Um, and um, and I really like the idea of being in a big school with a lot of input, a lot of different opinions. Uh, and then I also really thought it would be nice to live in, in uh, go back to New York and live there for few years. I wasn't sure where I wanted to end up, if I wanted to live in Sweden or in America. A few questions about that ex- film school experience. I mean, is it consuming film and learning all from that perspective? Is it is it hands-on, you know, producing all the time? And what, what, what are, what's the actual sort of well, making the sausage experience? NYU at that time, um, well, it still is actually, um, the first year, I really thought I was only going for a year, because what they did was they they um had very big classes the first year and you would have something called the MOS year without sound um so you worked totally without any sound you worked you made silent movies oh, wow on very simple equipment with the simplest light package you could imagine and you really learned storytelling from its very very basic um and then 
for the second year, they kicked out a lot of people and also a lot of people quit because they felt they had gotten what they wanted or they felt like they could learn by being in the industry or whatever reason. And I always thought that I wouldn't be allowed to continue. So I thought I'd go back and work in the Swedish film industry again after one year, immersive studies in storytelling. But then I was um, accepted in for the second year. Um, and that's when we started with sound. And what we did was we had rotating crews. So the first year you learn how to shoot, you learn how to direct, you learn how to light, and you learn how to production manage. And some people who came into directing school realized that they really wanted to be camera people instead. Other people realized they wanted to be writers and camera people sometimes realized they wanted to be directors. And I felt even more convinced that I wanted to be a director and that I wanted to work with actors. So the second year, I also started taking acting lessons in order to understand the acting process. I definitely have some questions about working with actors for you that we're <laughs> going to get to. Um, I think that's fascinating on, on two levels. First, that they give you such exposure across sort of all of filmmaking, but also that they sort of tie your hand and make you focus on the visual for that first year. That, that's a very interesting approach. I wasn't aware that that was the, the way they did it at NYU. No, I, I think it was a brilliant way of forcing you to really see that you're working in a visual medium and that film is about doing not telling um and and i still think that applies even though you can make you have lots of interesting dialogue and maybe sometimes tv is more dialogue based acting is still so much about doing and 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 the contradiction between what you're doing and what you're saying and there's the, the falling back on cliches, uh, soundtrack elements and things like that. You can't do any of that. So you're forced to really focus in on the storytelling. Exactly, that, exactly. Very interesting. So, so you finish school, you come back to Sweden then to start work? Well, it took me five years to finish school because I couldn't really afford to do NYU. And they didn't have any really good post-production facilities. So what I did was I shot my second year old movie, my uh, year movie, and then I went back to Sweden and worked as an assistant editor so that I could use the Steenbeck in the evening. Okay, and, practical. Uh, very practical. And uh, so I continued editing my own film. And then the Swedish film school were really helpful and, and let the students there mix my films, which was really nice. Um, so, so are you doing shorts at this time? Exactly, or what kind of... yeah, yeah. When I went to film school, they never asked you to do anything more than shorts. Now I know that some film schools ask their students to make a feature as a final film, which would have, I don't think I don't could have pulled that economically. Um, so the burden as a student, you have to take on some of the financial burden to totally, do the project. Totally, oh, that's wow. one of the big differences between the States and, or New York at least, and, and Sweden, the Swedish film school, which is why it was such an economic help that I was allowed to mix my films here. And also one, one of the reasons why I all the time worked on features here in order to be able to use the facilities. I mean, it's 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 a really high hurdle to put up for a student, but I guess at the same time, it's really like a hard life lesson in filmmaking that you that you get as a result. Yeah, um, doing being in the film business is really hard, and of course, 
once you get budgets, you start having other problems instead. <laughs> <laughs> luxury problems. So, so when so when you do get through school after five years, you start producing, you start working on a TV series, Nathan's Barn, you're doing some shorts. How do you fall into that? How do you fall into those first kind of gigs? Um, I, I came back and started working as an editor on uh, commercials and um, uh, industrials. And then I, I wrote a 30-minute short. And then I sent my my final film to the the film companies and what was the which what was that called it was my my oh god what was it called my student film what was it called i can't even remember come on your baby this was your life for, for it five was years. my life i can I remember the poster but i can't remember the title it's, it's okay we'll come back to it when it pops jimmy's up. day it was called jimmy's, jimmy's day, day. Jimmy. okay and it was about a man who thought he was going to be the next big hot thing as an author and he was rejected and he didn't dare to go home so he spends a night in new york meeting a woman going to central park in the middle of the night and facing his failure and i sent it to the two major studios at that time which was sf and then there was a company called sandrews and Katinka Faragago, who was um, Bergman's producer, saw it. And Estef said no. And she said, I think you know something about actors. I think this is interesting. Do you want to do a feature? And I said no. And she was totally shocked and said, how come? And I said, because I don't think I'm ready. I don't think my thesis film was good enough. I would like to make another short. Can I just say, this is very interesting because, I mean, obviously a lot of people at this moment are like looking for any opportunity. And if someone says feature, you just, yes, all right, fine, I'll figure it out. I mean, I, I get a lot of that when I'm meeting people. I yeah. Very interesting that you have this self-instinct that maybe not yet. But because I, I had seen over the years that I was in the business, so many people who were allowed to do one feature. And then if they didn't succeed they weren't allowed back in okay so so much was at stake you realized yeah yeah so okay. i really felt like i wanted to do something that was um more properly structured um so i wrote a 30 minute film and called um ingen some do it's called there's no you it was the title is based on a doris day song there's no you um and we applied for financing and we got that from the Swedish Film Institute and we shot it. And that film just, it uh, opened at Gothenburg Film Festival in front of the opening film. And um, they actually had it running on the cinemas too as a single show, 30 minute wow. single show. Uh, so that kind of opened the doors. So now you are a director in the Swedish scene. So yes. With that. And then I was offered to do a feature and I said no again and did a four times 30 minutes TV series instead. And then I finally felt like, okay, now I'm now I dare to do my first feature. <laughs> Can we talk about that first feature? So that's uh, Veranda uh, Four and Tenor. Yeah. Waiting for the Tenor in English. Waiting for, waiting for the Tenor in yeah. English. And, and 
It's interesting to me in a lot of aspects. First of all, you wrote it. No, I, well, I co-wrote it with the you, author of the novel. You co-wrote it with the author of the novel. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ownership there, you know, in, in just that element of it. And it's, and it's uh, a period piece, you know, your, your first, your, set in the late 50s, early 60s? Well, it, it's a mixture. It's, um, yeah. it's a story about a writer and an old actor. Uh, they're very old friends and they meet up in a bar late one night. And the actor, before he dies, wants to write his life story. And that is in the present time. But then through the whole writing process, they go back to the 50s, to their childhood. So it's a mixture between present day and the 50s. And what I did was I did present day in black and white and the past in color. Wait a minute, didn't you get that backwards? No. <laughs> I it was much more appropriate because their childhood was much happier and they... They, um, I just thought that was better. <laughs> I, I think it's a very interesting choice. But I think that it's also there's, I see like a, a, a seed planted that's going to, you know, come further in Simon and the Oaks, you know, when I, when I talk about the period elements. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's, that's the line I was trying to draw there. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Um, I, I, I want to talk, we talk, you sort of touched on it earlier, you know, about working with actors that you said that this was something that drew you in, that you... You know that was a lane that was important to you, so so you wanted to put some attention there. In in uh, waiting for the tenor, uh, you work with Christopher Henriksen, mm -hmm. and he ends up getting the Gold Bag, the you know Best Male Actor Award for that year for his performance. Yeah. Then you work with him later on again in another film, Sex, Hope, and Love. Yeah. 
and he also wins again. I know for for the best. So, so I'm wondering, sort of, is what how, what does it mean? I mean, um, a while back we had Leave Munez up as a guest, mm-hmm. and it was while you were shooting Stockholm Requiem. Okay, a- and she, from from a performer's perspective, talked about how important it was to have familiarity with the director, with you and a current Karen Foline, mm-hmm. and how like she she had this trust level that you knew her range better than she did. So you could take her places. Mm-hmm. And so from a director's perspective, do you think you have that kind of influence on, on I mean, on Krister's performance? Um, I definitely think with Krister, I think with actors of his range, um, I, I think with any actor, but especially with actors who have reached some kind of fame and who also are... Um, the more famous they are, the more afraid they get, because of course, the mm. more is at stake. And I think with Christer specifically, um, it was about pushing him because he um, he has so much talent, but the role was so demanding that I really needed to push him out of his comfort zone. And I think that is, yeah, maybe that is something that I do. I I, um, I don't let actors um, get their fear in between them and and the piece. And I and I um, I tr- I trust that they can go further than they might think that they can go. That sounds like it might be set up some interesting moments on the set when you're when you're sort of challenging those limits. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, um, definitely, um, and I think people react with anger, with fear, with defiance, um, and usually it's just a matter of of, of standing there and 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 taking it and saying, uh, or not saying that much, just being there and saying, "I know you can do it." Let the storm blow. Yeah, um, and and I think the worst thing that you can do is back down. If you're wrong, you can admit that you're wrong. But if you really, if you see that a lot of it is just fear, then you just have to stand there and and um, be trusting. Yeah, but wrong. I, I, I mean, I, I understand. I work with the software development, so wrong learning, all that. That's na- nature. But in filmmaking, you know, wrong bets are very costly. You know, if you waste a day here and there with the whole crew. Well, I waste a day. That that only exists in American movies. I'm I'm talking about an hour. Wasting an hour is bad enough. No, I just mean like if I'm asking for a specific actor's choice and it just doesn't give the performance that we wanted, um, then of course, okay, we went down the wrong path. But usually, I I us- usually say to everybody that there are no wrongs; there are only new rights. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go down a path and it doesn't give what we want, okay, then we know that. Then we go down another path. Um, but like with Christer, for example, um, there can be a lot of fights, a lot of discussions. Um, but usually, like I say, it's just fear. Uh, and it's just a way of reaching beyond the fear. And, 
going back to the the fact that you're contributing also on the writing level often on your projects, does that help you in your sort of I don't want to say control, but in your direction, you know, in your in, in your directing work to have a hand in the writing, you know, how does that how does it help you f form your overall delivery of what you're doing? I mean, it, well, it helps it must... me because it helps me both uh, write and also understand. The needs of the character and what this what what's at stake in the scene uh, because many times when you get writing it could be brilliant writing but not very clear needs of the characters um, and when when i go in and do the writing myself then i can really work on getting the whole line from the very first line to the last line to be as dynamic as possible. I mean, that's always what you're aiming for, to get as much dynamic between where the character starts off and where it ends up. Um, and, and if I really, if, if, I mean, if I don't write something, then I just have to really deep read it so that I understand what the characters want at each moment, because that's what I can contribute with as a director when they're doing it. It's like, where am I going? Where do I come from? What is my need here? Um, what is, what's keeping me back from it? I have to know all those things, you know, especially since you never, you never film in anything like chronological order. So I, I'm the one who has to envision what comes before and what comes after and give that to actors. And especially these days when we barely have time to rehearse, I'm the only one who has the whole story in my head and the actors have to trust me so much more than in the theater where they actually grow into the whole process. I have the time to work around the table for days and weeks. Yeah, and, and where they up, take yeah. responsibility for their whole line of action. Can I ask, so Christopher Henriksen, two very successful cooperations, you know, with him. Do you have an ensemble of people, like a go-to team that you like to work with when you spin up a project? Uh, no, simply because I um, do so different things all the time. I mean, of course, there are actors that I love to work with them, but... I work with so many different types of characters that I don't usually yeah. end up looking for the same type of, of roles. I, I want to get into a couple or sort of also the difference between sort of inheriting a franchise with momentum characters and all that, like, like uh, Beck versus, you know, the more blank canvas of a, of a, your own feature mm -hmm. film. You know, and, and how you impact that on the edges as a director. But before we get there, can we stop and talk a little bit about Simon and the mm -hmm. Oaks? Um, I, I, I found this, I rented it the other day. What a beautiful film. What a beautiful Thank film. You. I, 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 had, I had moments where I had to stop. There's, there's, some, there's some long shots that you do of the boys on their, uh, on their bicycle and you shoot it across this sort of recently plowed muddy mm -hmm. field. And it's and it's kind of dull. It's not even the colors are beautiful, but there's so, it's almost Van Gogh. It's just there's there's so many beautiful moments like this in this film. First of all, it must have been such a challenge. I mean, it, it, this looks like it, it, this look this this feels big. This feels big. This whole film. 
how, how did how did this come about and how much time did it take to to sort of get this off the ground from your first involvement to sort of seeing it in the theaters and take take me through the journey well uh it was a very strange journey in many ways and i was definitely not involved the whole way um when I was like two years out of film school or something, I, it was the first time I heard the rumors that they were going to try to make this into a TV series. And I remember very bravely just contacting, maybe it was a few years after, contacting the, the Danish producer, Per Holst, and saying, telling him that I was very interested and that my I had my own relationship to the book and in, in many ways. And I um, wanted to, to tell him that I was interested in directing it. And he just basically dismissed me and said that Susanne Beer was going to do it. And then nothing came of it, that. And then I didn't hear anything about it. And once in a while I heard that somebody was going to make it. And, you know, it's like that. And then when I was a commissioner, um, the film was finally going to be made. And I was really happy about it. It was Bjorn Runge who was going to make it. Um, and can, can I say, when you were a commissioner... I, I was, a, I was a, a film commissioner for feature films at the Swedish Film Institute. Okay, okay. Uh, for three years. And um, so, and so I was going to commission it. And I was really happy about it. And the script was very big, but they were working. It was a really good screenwriter. And, and they were doing very well. But Bjorn, unfortunately, just he and the producers had some issues. And it just was a relationship that didn't work out. Um, so after a year of development, he left the project. And so the project died, and then the the producers started looking for people, um, and they were going all over Scandinavia. And then one day they came and said, "Would you like to do it?" I've been waiting for your call. <laughs> well, no, I hadn't really thought that way because I was the commissioner for it, and even though it had died, oh, I, to me it was like I had other things going on in my life. I was the commissioner, and, and as. I said, does that put you in an odd it position? It put me in a I very mean, odd position. So the first thing I said was, don't call me, call my boss, because I can't really tell you if you're even allowed to ask me that question, even though the project is dead. Um, I once have supported it. And, and they called, and it was Cissi Elvin and Charlotte Denver, and they were like, oh, yeah, of course, and that's wonderful, and that's great. And... They said, of course, you're going to do it. And then the shit hit the storm or the, the shit hit the fan is what you say. And um, everybody thought that I was like giving money to myself, which I, of course, wasn't um, because we everything had to start from the beginning. We had to apply for the money again. Every The financing mm -hmm. had to start a whole new time. So there were no guarantees. There was definitely no guarantees. Of course mm -hmm. not. Um, mm -hmm. And I, of course, had to go in and do my take on the script. And, and it was way too big anyway. And then when I realized that the money wasn't at all enough, um, we had to go in. So it took us quite a while to get it going. Um, and I think we, I did like 13 rewrites on it. 
and then we finally oh, 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 over time how, how 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 much time are we talking about how many years it was about so? a year okay and then we finally got it off the ground where there were seven producers nine producers from five different countries um and um i i used to say to the crew that this is the biggest low budget film you've ever worked on <laughs> well I, I think i know what you mean here act as if it's low budget but we're going to try to get as much as much resources as we can into it I yeah mean... i mean basically we we had to make the right choices the first time around we had to plan everything so in such detail because we didn't have that much money but it had to look like we had that much money that certainly does look like you have a lot of money um, and um we shot it in um in Gothenburg and outside of Gothenburg and in Hamburg and in Berlin. Uh, we ended up with, I think, a 60-day shoot. And um, yeah, it was my my life partner who shot it, Dan Lawson. So that was the second time around we worked together. Um, and um, yeah. It was a long editing process, so, and then finally came out. So, so the biggest challenges were sort of the pre-shoot parts of it, getting everything in place to be able to get those sixty days, or no? I think the whole the whole shoot was an enormous, enormous challenge because it, we had to cover four seasons in only one winter and one spring and a few one summer week. So everything was a huge challenge. We we um, we were very fortunate that the winter was probably one of the coldest winters ever, with so much snow. Um, so we got all the snow pictures in, and then the spring was very long, and <laughs> and then we had to get the oak. You know how many oaks I found. Casting your tree. <laughs> oh my God. We looked for oaks. We looked for oaks. We looked for oaks. And actually around that, you know, where we, where you talked about that bicycle shot, yeah. Um, yeah. right around the corner from there, we found an oak and we were like, okay, this is great. And then we were standing there looking at it one day when we were going to shoot a few um, shots of it, just with a very small crew. And we saw a little Island way out. And we were like, there's an oak out there because what we learned was that in the film, the oak is supposed to be by the water, but oaks hate wind. Mm. So they don't grow by the water, but then we found so these are, an actor's not working with you. See, See I, I know. <laughs> and, and so I, I found this little, little tiny Island where only cows walk. It's like a little cow bridge over to it um, where there was a huge oak tree. And it was so stunning and so beautiful and so impractical. But <laughs> this wonderful producer, Christian Nilsson, he realized that, yeah, it was it. It, it, it was worth all the inconvenience uh, because it was so majestic. Uh, the, I think the whole film is so powerful and just beautiful. How was it received? I mean, did it echo outside of Sweden at all? It, yes, it did. Um, it got very good reviews in both the LA Times and New York Times. It had a run in New York, 
Um, and it has been distributed all over the world. Yeah, and it's available online if anyone wants to dial yeah. it up. I recommend uh, it. I, I still, so I still get um, people who add add on to it and from Facebook from the Facebook page. Well, it's a touching story. I mean, I can see it would resonate. There's timelessness to that, even though there's a historic mm -hmm. element. And of it. course, it it had a lot of. Um, uh, nominations and unfortunately it wasn't I think it was a shame it, uh, that it wasn't uh, Sweden's Oscar nomination I think it would have had a chance but those you know you can't control those things hmm. oh interesting how what would have unfolded had it been yeah can, can, let's move on I mean if you don't mind to Beck uh you know, this is why I reached out to you because you know you're responsible for uh, I guess the most recent four installments in the franchise, two that came out last no, year. No, two, two of the last. Uh, you know, every time there are two directors on, so I did two last year, and then I or the yeah. year before that, and then two one two of the ones that are coming now. Coming now, yeah. So four yeah, all together, okay. And this is the 25th anniversary of Beck in its current incarnation. I mean, it's fascinating. Do you call it a TV series? I mean, it's not, you're doing long form here, you know, more than episodic television. Yeah. Um, and, and like as alluded to earlier, this is long running, but you're the first woman to be handed sort of the direction reins here. And as much as I wish this wasn't even worth talking about at, you know, year 2022, I think there's something meaningful about it, given the genre, especially. I mean, does coming at this as a female director, is that something that you're aware of when you take the responsibility, or or is it just irrelevant to you? Well, to me, it's irrelevant, because I've never been a man. I don't know how I would have done it differently <laughs> if I was a man. Yeah, but, but all the work before you was done by men, and so... Yeah, but I haven't some... looked at all the work. Um, I only looked at the recent ones and, and the Beck franchise has developed from being much more crime focused, being much more 80s and or 90s with a lot of blood and a lot of gory murders, especially female murders. Um, and it has more and more ranged into social and psychological cases um, and the the ensemble has changed too and and so I felt like it was closer to my aesthetics now than it used to be in the beginning when it was much more violent and bloody and, and less psychological um, but I really don't know if it is a male-female thing in terms of storytelling. I think it's more a male-female thing in terms of the producers really still being in some kind of uh, old-fashioned perception of women not being able to do action. Oh, okay. I think they have the they or at least they had this idea that we're not comfortable with uh, anything ex anything that involves um, a lot of 
technical aspects. That's quite dismissive. Well, but I, I don't think that it's something they're aware of. I just think that is the way, that is one of the reasons why so few women are allowed or asked to do action series and crime series, though it has changed a lot the last few years. So, so you're not trying to deliberately introduce any sort of female tones. You're, you're just bringing yourself to this as a woman. I'm just bringing myself to it as a director. And I happen to be very interested in character development, even though I love action as well. Um, I still want, when I watch crime series, I want to invest myself psychologically into the characters as well as see the crime being solved or the mystery being solved. Um, so that's what I brought with me. I, but in, as I as I kind of alluded to, feature films give you more of a blank page, yeah. you know, to sort of fill what's going on. The Beck franchise has momentum in terms of story, in terms of cast. So as a director, how is your influence different than sort of when you have a feature film? Are you casting the sort of the villain sort of as a rule or? Uh, yeah, well... When I started last year, the character Joseph was totally new. And I didn't cast him, but um, it was basically our job to find the character. And, and of course, they had a vision of, of who he was, but it was our job to find it. And when you go into a series that already exists, you have to pay homage to... And, and be very respectful to the genre and and um, basically when people turn on the television, if it says Beck, they are expecting a Beck. So what you have to do is is you 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 have to emerge your own sensibilities into that franchise. Um, because every year has to be new, because otherwise the Beck audience wouldn't stay. You can't repeat yourself and do old films, but you still have to be able to recognize yourself. You still have to be able to say, yeah, this is a Beck film. So evolve it, but gently. Yeah, exactly. So when you take over, do you, I mean, there are some really uh, motivated Beck fans out there who've been following yeah. this throughout the years who are hanging, waiting you know, for the next drop. What kind of response did you get on, on your sort of first efforts? Well, Do people think that you handled it respectfully? Well, obviously, did they, challenge they were you? the two most viewed films, so some, must, some people must have liked it. Um, they were number one and number two on Seymour's list of uh, most seen films. Um, Congratulations. That's, that's the people's... The people have spoken. The people have spoken, but I, I have to say... I was given two very good scripts, um, Stefan Thunberg and Fredrik Agetoft wrote the two episodes or the two features that I did last year, and they were very good, compelling stories um, and very different from each other, which I also think is one of the nice things with the brand Beck, that you never know what kind of story it is. Um, 
every film is totally free from the one before. Except there is the red thread of our crew yes. and some expectation. Exactly. It's, it's nice. But I would say, you know, bringing us to your latest, Femtiota Minuta. Which is really which holds, different. <laughs> uh, exactly. Re very much breaks form and sort of, sort of instead of the who done it, it's the here and now, what's happening. I know, approach. I know. It's, it's talk about challenging our big viewers. I, I would say challenging right off the start. The, the, the cold start had me wondering, should I be switching? What's going, what am I watching? Uh, but it made me lean in. It hooked me I'm right glad away. I'm you didn't it, just turn it, off. It, it, that would have been terrible. No, no, but it, 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 but, but it forced me to raise my level of engagement from the jump, you know, to start trying to figure out what that moment was, what was happening. Uh, and, and exciting all the way through. I mean, we talked ahead of this that we said we'll try to be spoiler aware uh, you know, but, you know, we talk a little bit about this. So if you haven't seen it and you're really concerned, you can tune out now. But it, it's there's a hostage hostage drama and there's a real time element to this that really raises the dramatic stakes. I'm wondering how you go about this. So you get this, you know, the story, you have the concept. Do you sort of, you know, look at hostage films? Or, I mean, do you dial up Dog the Afternoon or King of Comedy? Uh, do you look at 24? I mean, what, yeah, how do you all sort of, of those? Yeah, all of those and a few more. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, because that, that's I mean, I, I, it's not like direct lines, but I, you know, that, there's some kind of resonance from all of this in my mind as I'm watching all of the as I'm watching it's your show. It's funny unfold. because Dog the Afternoon was the first one that I turned to. Um, oh, it was wow. the first one that I turned to, and of course I realized that times have changed, and I don't know how much, but but there are some some great moments in that, um, and I just like the whole idea, you know, the Stockholm syndrome. I, I was going to ask Norman's Torg bank yeah. robbery. Do you do you dig up the history? Yeah, there as yeah, well? yeah, yeah. You know, just the whole idea of how if you spend enough time in a room with someone, you start seeing all the different qualities. Oh well, there are there are layers to your protagonist. That's for sure. Yeah, are... yeah. And I thought, I mean, a protagonist who only has one layer, you would you wouldn't want to spend one and a half hour with. So you really have to keep on wondering, what is at stake? Why is this person doing this? Um, and of course, you don't want to have an easy answer to that. Motivation motivation motivation, 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 motivation. And so I looked at Dog Day Afternoon, and of course I looked at King of Comedy, of course. Um, what was the third one you mentioned? Uh, I, I just thought about uh, Norman's Torg in the Stockholm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, but then we just had to... It, it still was a lot about, for me giving place to the big characters. That was one of the big challenges to make sure that um, it still felt well, felt like a big film. Yeah, it certainly gave room for Alex, but I guess the challenge was how do you keep everyone else sort of front and center? Both that and also to give Alex some kind of agency, some kind of, of, of because she could very easily just become a passive um, hostage but here she had to actually have um, issues and try to see what she could do to change the situation 
Mm, she's definitely not passive. <laughs> I'm glad you say that. Yeah, I, 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 I have a couple of questions around it. You, you alluded earlier to how, you know, when you shoot, you rarely do things in chronological order. As most or a big chunk of this is sort of real time, did you shoot that out of sequence or did you try to do that chronologically? That part we did chronologically. Otherwise, it would have been too difficult. That uh, part yeah, how do you just get we the shot times? over, I think, a period of six days mad six days where we kept on getting backlashes because of corona and actors being sick and oh we could do a whole episode just about how it is shooting with corona uh but somehow we got all we needed you certainly did uh, really nice uh, getting back to sort of like where you influence sort of casting there's a police woman who sort of takes control on the scene mm -hmm. um is she is she a new character yeah. i mean i've only watched yeah. maybe a handful of these so yeah, i can't she's be sure a new character. she's is a she, character. first of all i don't know if i've seen her in anything else she she for me is like the the raw nerve of this you know the the tension resonates through her as, as it grows where did who is she where did you find Maya her Rung? um i yeah. think my, i saw Maya Rung the first time at Stadstheater for many years and then i just followed her on theater uh, I think she's a brilliant actress. Um, and I just really wanted to do something very different with the police in control, especially after seeing all these American hostage films. There's always like this disillusioned, little bit overweight yeah. guy with a trench coat <laughs> coming in and say, Central casting, central yeah, casting. Give me a phone. Okay, are we hooked up now? Hi, my name is. <laughs> I'm the only one allowed to talk exactly, to him. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. My jurisdiction, yeah. my jurisdiction. So I thought, let's go the other way, especially also because this is an international show. It has a big audience in the States. It has a big audience all over the world. And I think it's really something that suddenly is much more interesting to see a young woman in charge. Mm -hmm. And not a hundred percent self-assured, exactly. very human exactly. in the moment. Which is a really interesting thing because I, I, I've, during my time of, of of working these years, I've seen the progression from not being able to have any female protagonists at all, always having male protagonists, and and then we've so slowly developed into having female protagonists. But for a while every female lead had to be so self-assured and so perfect and could never show any weaknesses. And now I think we finally come to a point where we can show women in a very multifaceted way without getting like the blame game of, oh, why are you showing women weak, da, da, da. We are finally coming to a point where women and men are allowed to be complex characters, which is, I, I don't know why we're talking about this 2022, but yeah. things don't happen. Thank you. Now, now we can have adult storytelling. Now we can Thank have you. adult storytelling. <laughs> we can start getting somewhat close to literature's complex characters. And as, as great as that ensemble is, she really stu stuck out for me. Oh, somehow. I'm so glad to hear I, that. I'm so yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, I think she's I wonderful, she a... and I think her her face 
Um, she has so few lines, really. So, so it's... But, but again, she's the raw nerve of what's happening. She's telling me that where the drama is. Like, it's just something about her resonates that mm -hmm. to me. So what are you expecting now when this, this is going to come out to the world in a couple of weeks? Uh, everyone's on edge. Seymour's pumping it up. Uh, people are writing about it all over the place. We said it's the 25th anniversary, so, you know, Beck is in focus everywhere. You nervous? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a little out of pace, as you said, sort of a little unexpected in the storytelling and the approach to Beck, even though, it, you know, it holds true to sort of everything. There's the little political undertones uh, that, that sort of have gone in older stories, but it does it does break a little bit, you know, in in, in, the, in the approach. What are you expecting in a response? Oh, I'm sure there will be a lot of people who hate it, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who love it. Um, to me, it's kind of like once the whole I've, I've made all my choices, I can't really do anything different. Yeah, you're, you're done. Yeah, so so. Once I've given up all the choices, once I've mixed it and screened it and controlled it and done everything, I'm like, well, it's kind of like my kids. They're grown up now. I can't really take responsibility for them anymore. <laughs> it's just nice I, I just, reflect I just well feel like you. there are some really nice acting moments in there. And I think it is a compelling story. And I think it is a story that also is politically interesting it, it, it injects a different level of adrenaline than the normal yeah. Beck storytelling you know so, uh, but I'm, I'm very curious as way. to how it works because it is an experiment in many ways and I hope I, I, I hope the feedback reaches me I mean many times as a TV director you don't really get the input um, so I, I hope I will get feedback Oh, that's interesting. So, so the, the producers or the distributors don't necessarily gather everything and, and d deliver it to you as a package. Here's all the calls. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, so this is coming out in a in whatever a couple of weeks from when we're recording this. You have a second installment. Is that completed as yeah. well, or are you still yeah. working? Uh, so, so, you're, so you're done. So, what's next for you then? Um, these are in the in the rear. Uh, I'm writing. Um, I'm writing a TV series, a uh, drama comedy, um, and I will actually be directing theater next. Oh, what will that be and where? I don't know if I'm allowed don't, to say that. Uh, oh, okay. Well, this I, is the, the problem. Well, I guess, I guess by the time this is out, um, it will be at Intiman in, in Stockholm. Um, hmm. And it's... I can say it's a it's a crime mystery. Okay, um, a classic, something no, you've written. No, no, or... it's not something I've written. Um, I, I I wish I could say what it was, but it is it, it's enough. a crime mystery. It involves a big discussion about power, about sexuality, and about what money does to people. Are you working on it right now? Yeah. Is it sort of pre-production? Pre yeah. Okay, exciting. And do, do you do this sort of deliberately to sort of just change the palette from film and TV to theater, or is it just the flow of the opportunities? Uh, how, how do you manage it's, that? It's basically just the flow of opportunities, and but I like it because um, 
like I said, I love working with actors. So doing theater once in a while is really getting back to the basics. Um, there's nothing that you, you can't protect yourself with fancy camera moves or great editing. It just has to be there. The acting has to deliver. So d challenging yourself in a different lane, building up that mm -hmm. muscle again yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, uh, I won't keep you much longer. We're kind of getting to the end of our lot of time. Thanks very much uh, for taking the time. As I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed working my way through your catalog over the last week or so. Uh, and I feel really honored to have had a pre-peak at the uh, Femtiota Minuter. It was exciting. It was it was unexpected in delightful ways, you know, so um, I'm waiting to see what the response is. I think it's going to really resonate. Well, I hope so. And thank you so much. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was wonderful talking um, to you. Yeah, tremendous work. Thank you again. That was fun. I thought Lisa gave some really thoughtful answers. I have to be impressed with the breadth of her directing work across TV, film, and stage. Once again, I particularly enjoyed Simon in the Oaks, or Simono Ekkana. Uh, I'd recommend it to anyone who likes a period drama. And in a completely different genre, I believe that her latest take on Beck, Femtio de Minuter, will surprise and delight longtime fans. I hope that you enjoyed meeting Lisa as much as I did. We'll be back soon with another episode of Stream Close-Up. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.